Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 29, 2020. Coming at you from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Big show coming up for you tonight. Jimmy Murphy of Boston Hockey Now will be joining us to talk about the Johnny Boychuk retirement. He is unfortunately leaving the New York Islanders and the NHL. And we'll also be talking about the current state of the return to play at the NHL. We're going to see if there's any update on when we might see skates hitting the ice. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always is Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well, Sean, and we have a little bit of Islander news to talk about, so that's always exciting. A little bit, yes. Uh, you know, it's 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 slow out of the gate these days, trying to get news and whatnot, yeah. but uh, we do, and, and I suppose a little bit of sad news uh, in, in Islander country. Yeah, yeah, it's the end of Johnny Boychuk's career. Now, not necessarily officially retiring, but the end of his career nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's a little unexpected. Because, you know, he did play in the playoffs after he sustained the injury. Well, he played three games. I, I, I mean, I think I had the same thought, too. I was like, oh, how is this possible? Johnny Boychuk played a ton of games. And then you think back, well, Andy Green got back in the lineup, and every day it was a story about, oh, is Boychuk going to get back in the lineup today, or is Andy Green finally outplaying him? And, and that was kind of the case. He didn't get back into the playoffs really much. You know, he played three games. He was knocked out, uh, you know, in the, in the first game against Florida, you know, um, the Matheson hit there in the corner, right, right. Uh, you know, so that ends that series early for him. And then we really don't see him much after that. So it's not, I mean, a, a, in actuality, it's not too much of a surprise when you think about it. Yeah, I suppose it could have been in the back of some people's minds, but when the announcement was, ma- was made, it was a little unexpected for me. But I also want to remind everybody that we are sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great people, and great Islander fans. And you can check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. We are also sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800. They are from Long Island, Christian, and even better, they're diehard Islander fans. That's what we like to hear. Indeed, indeed. So, with that said, we're going to have Jimmy Murphy join us in just a few minutes. We will be talking Johnny Boychuk and maybe reminisce a little bit about his days with the Boston Bruins. Remember, mm-hmm. he won a Stanley Cup there. Hopefully, Jimmy has some stories about Johnny that maybe we can share with the Islander listeners here tonight. And I'm sure that'll be good. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll talk about this return to play. It's still up in the air. Yeah, you have the NHLs kind of playing games, trying to get the, the players to what basically what? Give up more money? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And Jim, Jimmy can, can kind of break it down a little bit more thoroughly. He's been on top of it with, with the Hockey Now. We do, we do a column on New York Island, com, along with the rest of the Hockey Now websites called Off the Record, where, um, you know, he digs into his, his deep list of contacts and kind of gets the inside scoop a bit of what's really going on. I know the play, the players aren't thrilled about what's going on. We've seen it in the New York Post from Larry Brooks and other outlets. And obviously, the agents aren't thrilled with what's going on because the owners essentially did not anticipate the fact that in December of 2020, we'd still be in the middle of this, the COVID pandemic and now in the middle of a second wave, which certainly 
raises more questions and, and, and hinders teams' ability to get fans in the building, especially now right out of the gate. Right, right. Well, folks, with that, we do got to take a break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to have Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now. I want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live at HockeyNightNY.com. We will be right back. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in a another country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com that's thai t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service the only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. So this is Hockey Night in New York. Christian Arnold and Sean Cuthbert with you every Sunday night as always. You can listen back to the archive versions of the show at HockeyNightNY.com and wherever you get your podcasts from Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, and all that good stuff. On the line with us right now, though, is a good friend of mine, guy who got me involved with the Hockey Now Network and runs the Boston Hockey Now website. Great journalist up there if you're looking for any Boston Bruins news. That, of course, is the great Jimmy Murphy. Jimmy, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? Good to hear you. You too. It's it's always great to hear a nice, thick Boston accent from time <laughs> to time, and it's why it's one of my favorite well, NHL cities well, to visit. You know, I'm, I'm happy you say that because, I mean, as you know, when you, when you and I actually first started talking on air on my be- show back on Sirius XM, I was in Montreal, man, and I was uh, I was getting worried. I was losing my Boston accent. A lot of people tell me, I don't know, you're, you're losing your heritage there. So uh, it's good to hear somebody say I still got it. It's still there. Maybe not as thick as as, as Hags, but but it's still there. <laughs> it's it's a combination of uh, Boston and the uh, Irish section of Montreal. I guess. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, nice. can, you can hear both of it, which is awesome. But, Jimmy, obviously one of the reasons we, we have you on today, of course, the, the um, end of Johnny Boychuk's career, but also an yeah. update on what's going on with the NHL and their attempt to get things going. And every week you do a, a column on NYI Hockey Now and here in New York, for anyone who reads that, of course, and as well as across the Hockey Now network called Off the Record. And every week you put it out, I get more and more depressed because the news gets worse <laughs> and worse. And the latest column sets up, a uh, situation where where the players aren't too happy, which we've been hearing a lot about uh, since that column ca- came out, and the possibility of the owners, a growing number of owners, it seems like, wanting to forego a 2020-2021 season. What what update can you give us now uh, that you've heard that's going on with any possible return to play for the 2020-2021 season? Well, I, I, I don't want to ruin your Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, guys, yeah, I don't want to ruin a Sunday fun day for anybody, but, um, you, you know, it's funny, right? We, we work hard to break stories and get scoops and stuff in this business and, uh, you network and you talk to people and you gather stuff. And, you know, I, I wish this would be the topic that I would be a hundred percent wrong on and I wouldn't care. <laughs> um, it's just, it, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, everything I've been hearing from the get go here has been right on target and, you know, this is not good. I, you know, and I'm not going to try. People are going to say, oh, you're being dramatic and you're just trying to get clicks. No, I'm, not, I'm just telling you reality right now. This is not a good situation right now. Uh, from what I, as recently as this afternoon, I spoke to an NHL player who just preferred to remain unnamed based on the sensitivity of the topics right now. But, you know, he said, look, I, I don't know who these guys think they are. I mean, enough's enough. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. They knew damn well, you know, and, and this isn't the first person I've had tell me this. And, it, you know, the owners knew they negotiated within the parameters of the pandemic with with a good enough portion of the pandemic, I believe. Um, and obviously the players to know there was a very, very good chance. Probably. I mean, I would have said, and people call me a pessimist, but it's been realistic. You know, I, I, I told you, I, I, I'm just trying to be real. I would have said at the time this deal was signed, which was what, around July 1st, around there, guys? I mean, I, I would have said for anyone to think that we're going to have fans in the building for next season is just nuts. Right. I, I, and that was before we had this second wave, and that was before all this game. But all of this was predicted by the scientists, not by our wonderful president, Um, you know it's all been right and you know we're getting ravaged right now and you know for them to go to the players right now and say hey we want to redo i i I think is it's just enough is enough i'm I'm with the player that said that to me today and you know that's been the agents talk and a lot of people connected to the pa and a lot of players and a lot of younger players i'm hearing right now starting to get very frustrated as well um, especially people coming in on their first contract because that's a big deferral. So, guys, this this is not a good situation right now by any means. No, and I got to say, Jimmy, that I'm with you as far as the players go. I mean, it's it's pretty outlandish after coming to that initial agreement. Now they're coming, you know, trying to come back to the table and say, "All right, we need you to give up some more." But um, I I believe there were some owners that came out and said that they're not yeah. even sure whether or not it's worth having a season now, given the certain set of circumstances. Maybe you can just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, this is something that's kind of brewing for a while when all this started was, you know, a lot of owners look at it, hey, oh, wow, okay, we miscalculated. There's not going to be fans. I mean, we're lucky if we see any 
portion of fans, uh, except for certain areas in North America. I mean, it's not going to happen. And they just miscalculated. And so now they're looking at it saying, hey, it's going to cost us money to have this season, let alone try and salvage some of the money we've already lost in the pandemic. And, and look, when I say this, obviously I just made it clear to you guys, I'm on the side of the players here. Right. So when I say this, I'm not, I'm not trying to get the owners off the hook by any means, but I'm just telling you that it is real. This isn't a case of where an owner's trying to say, oh, woe is me. And, you know, people look at him and say, you're a billionaire, man. I mean, come on. No, a lot of these guys, most of their businesses are made in hospitality, right? You look at the guy I cover since I've been in this league, Jeremy Jacobs for the Boston Bruins. I mean, that's where his income is. It's not from the Boston Bruins. Right. It's from all the hotels and the casinos and what have you that he runs and all the concessions, obviously, that do have a direct effect uh, or a direct connection to what's going on right now. But, I mean, yeah, he's just looking at it like, you know, that's the least of my worries. I mean, that's what I would believe Jeremy Jacobs and some other owners are looking at it right now that are, you know, as deep in the hospitality business as he is. Uh, like, what's the point of this? You know, but I'll tell you something, guys. I thought that Larry Brooks, uh, I believe it was Friday or Saturday, uh, wrote a great column saying, hey, you want to. And, and, you know, when Larry Brooks writes something, it's coming from somewhere. Right. Right. So this is obviously then a real consideration or a theory that's out there. You know, hey, all right, owners, you want money back? Take it from Seattle. Right. Just, you know, say, hey, look. We'll get you back later, all right? We've taken enough from these guys. We look really bad right now that we're coming only, what, five months later saying we need a redo. Well, why not just take it from them? I think that's... And, 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 and what a great PR move that would be by Seattle as they enter the league. We save the season. And then they come in the next season? I think it's a brilliant idea. It's a very interesting one. I'll give you that. And I guess because of the circumstances we find ourselves in, I mean, when does it start to become precarious? Because they obviously have a certain timetable when they want to get it started because they don't want it ending too late because they're hoping that the following season will finally start on time. We'll see a little bit of normalcy then. But they obviously they have to sort this situation out with the money. Then they have to get everybody into training camp. They, they have to figure out when and where everybody's going to go wherever they're going. I mean, when does this actually look like that the, the season itself is actually in serious jeopardy of even happening? It already does. Wow. We're already there. And look, Elliot Friedman was on Sportsnet. You can find, I believe it's a, we linked it on our site there in our BHN pop links. I mean, he was on Sportsnet, I believe, Friday, maybe Thursday night. I'm not sure, but you can find it. Like he said, there's got to be a decision by Tuesday. Wow. So he's saying there's got to be something by then before this starts to really become an effect. So he, this is what I don't understand. Because, and look, Elliot Friedman's much more connected than me, guys. Um, but I'm just saying, like, everything I'm hearing and then have seen come to fruition has painted the exact opposite. So I hope he's right. I hope he's got some inside thing that, like, they, they've all of a sudden got some solution. But if not, I mean, I, I think we're already there, guys. I, I think we're we're really in danger of... This getting too too much of a stalemate that all of a sudden they look at it and say, hey, maybe those owners are right. What's the point? I mean, what's the point right now? We're not going to make money. We're going to lose money. And they need to figure this out real soon. So maybe that's, um, you know, my this is just me speaking out loud to you guys sure. off the top of my head. 
no inside connection. This is just a theory here. I'm just thinking, well, if Elliot Friedman's saying that, maybe Bill, Bill Daly or Gary Beckman or both have put some pressure on the owners to be like, guys, we got we to gotta slow down here. We got to figure this out. This is, you know, this is kind of going off the rails right now, and we got to reel it in, and we got to come with some kind. I'm not saying they're going to have a solution by Tuesday, but I would think if Elliot Friedman is saying something like that, maybe we hear something Tuesday where, okay, we've reignited the talks. We're trying to find common ground. Because they, yeah, the, the, the clock's ticking. I mean, we're past Thanksgiving now. Talking with Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now. He does a great column uh, called Off the Record for all of the Hockey Now websites, including nyihockeynow.com, which I obviously run, so go check that out <laughs> for sure. But, Jimmy, I-, I think one of the interesting points points you were getting out is the fact that the owners, some of them obviously their their first their first line of income is not a hockey team. Their third line of income is probably not even the hockey team they own. Um, and how much of that kind of you know, changes the way they look at the situation. So, for for instance, for Gary Bettman, you know, his his for, his focus is, you know, we have to get a, a, a season going. We can't have this happen. So when they don't necessarily have that, I don't want to use the word desire, but they don't have that pressure where, um, you know, it's their main source of income or it's their main priority, you know, how does that kind of change the way they view it compared to a Gary Bettman who can see maybe, you know, the bigger impact of not just losing a, a season this year, but how, how that impacts the league two, three years down the line, especially as they go into the contract negotiations for the television rights? Ooh, yeah, I knew you were going to go there at the end. There. That, <laughs> that, 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 that's the monkey wrench and everything, guys. And that's why, you know, and look, I want to, I want to, you guys should check it out. Just Google Kevin McGrand. He wrote a column earlier this week where he said this is the one thing that's more than likely, very likely going to end this, is when the owners and the players look at each other and say, hey, we got the TV thing right now, guys. All right? We're sitting on a jackpot together. We do get 50-50 on that. Now, I have the owners, of course, kind of somehow redone it where it doesn't exactly go that way for the players. Yeah, they have, and they've they basically abused the NHLPA, and I think that's why we're seeing – what we referenced earlier is that the PA is really digging in right now, but yeah, that's the big thing right there. But going back to what you're saying guys, I mean, I think that they look at it and they say, look, and, and this is what I was trying to say where I'm not trying to defend billionaires, but I'm just trying to show you how serious the situation is in the world right now. I mean, we're just talking in general life and, and financially that, billionaires are feeling pinches i mean this is there is pressure on people that are not used to having financial pressure right and they're looking at it and they're going to start to rank as you just said there it's not even probably in the top three maybe not the top five they're going to start to to really rank that right now and say all right well what can i do without what can i suck it up and and then put all my focus in that and make more there and yeah, I think for some of the owners, that's their NHL team. Dan, I, I, I mean, Dan, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jimmy, I was looking at Dan's column, which is where I was, I was about to go with this. Um, and, and it seems a lot of us, I think, kind of have this sort of uh, instinct to, to think, you know, the NHL, the players especially, they, they're the ones that, um, you know, are kind of getting the short end of the stick here with everything going on. And it, and it seems to be a trend, considering how much – 
you know, the NFL players, the NBA players have when it comes to these negotiate negotiations and, and CBAs and all these different elements that bring in money for these leagues. How come, and is this maybe the tipping point, but how come we've never seen the Players Association and the NHL really, um, you know, start to put their foot down and go, hey, like, we're the ones that are putting our bodies on line. We're the ones that are going out there and traveling. And, and, in, and in this instant, we're the ones that are going out there and, and putting our health and safety on line, going out there and playing and potentially exposing ourselves. You know, is, is this maybe the tipping point where finally the PA starts to try and throw a little more muscle around and the players stand up for themselves? Well, you know, that, that's a, it's a great question. And I, I agree with everything you're saying there. And But why do you think this is going on right now. Why are the owners choosing now to ask for a double whammy uh, instead of the usual, you know, hit that they take on the PA? Because they know right now if the players and, and they have every right to do this. But if they do this right now in the middle of everything that's going on in life, in this world, they're going to paint them as the villains. And they know that. Mm. And that's what they're hanging over the players right now. And, you know, the players know that, too. And, I mean, I talked to players. I talked to agents. And they said, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, we're going to. I mean, general consensus is eventually we're going to have to give. That's just how it's going to go. And, and, it, and it stinks for us. But we have long memories. And, and that's, you know, that's the other thing that I think even if they end up playing, right? And I, and I do think eventually, I mean, and, and maybe I'm just trying to be an optimist for once, <laughs> I do think eventually it does happen, guys, because there's just too much to lose on what you guys brought up there with the TV deal. Um, I, it does happen, but this does not look good for the future of the relationship between the NHL and the NHLPA, who only a few months ago I felt like, wow, well, maybe something good comes out of 2020 here. I right. Mean, it's just like cats and dogs hanging out, having a Guinness together. It's like, it, it, it's ridiculous how good it looked back in July. It, it, it was, and, a, and, and you know, you couldn't really talk about that, right? Because you have the pandemic that's hanging above that. Mm -hmm. But that was a great story. It was like, wow. Yeah, you're they right. It wasn't, it wasn't too long ago when we were all singing the praises of the PA and the NHL. Right? They came together. So and now, make, put yourself in the player's skates right now, then. That's <laughs> why they're like, are you, are you? Are you bleeping kidding me right now? Yeah, and I don't if blame you're gonna him. Do that, you're going to do this to us after what we did then. Right. You're going to do this right now. I, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's, it's and bad. It's, just, it's like they're in a no-win situation right now, the players. Yeah, it's it's bad business for sure. And uh, I definitely sympathize, sympathize with the players like you do. But um, let's just, let's just um, I guess, go into fantasy land here and, and, and predict that they sort things out, whether it's messy or not. Is there any update on how this return, this second return to play is going to look as far as, I guess, just the setup? I mean, we, we might be looking at that all-Canadian division that people have been talking about. There's been talk about potentially some hub cities that they're playing at or whether it's going to be at every home arena. Has, have you heard anything as far as an update on how that might look if and when it actually does come back? Guys, I'm, I'm just hearing what you're reading, you know, from the guys like Pierre LeBron. And Elliot Freeman. I mean, yeah. I'm hearing the same stuff. And, you know, it, there's so many ideas around right now. I mean, I, I think we're definitely looking at a Canadian division mm -hmm. for sure. Um, it, it's just too hairy. It's too dicey right now with the way things are going with COVID. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see the borders opening up 
anytime soon. And, and, and guys, it's killing me. I, I got to get back to my second city there, you know? <laughs> I, I'm like missing Montreal so much. It's it's ridiculous. And, and you know, how are you going to do that? How are you going to pull that off then, right? So, yeah, there has to be a Canadian division. And I would think right now that's the only certainty. Um, how they map out the rest of those divisions, I don't know. But um, a lot of people are, kind, are, are going to probably – you know, poo-poo the whole idea and just complain and, and criticize it, whatever. But I, you know, I don't know about you guys. I just kind of, the way I've taken things since all this started, and I think you just got to live life. You just be like, hey, man, we got to be happy with whatever we can get here yeah. right now. And I, I, I think that, you know, in the end, people are going to take it that way. Um, but I think they can have a lot of fun with that. When yes. you bring up the alignment, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because – if there was some way they could ever go back to like the Adams and the Smythe and the Norris and the Patrick, I'd love that. Um, as, as close as you could get. Uh, and even if it didn't make sense geographically, you, you call them that anyways. I, I don't know, but I think they have a really great opportunity right now to, to rebuild rivalries and, and develop new ones. And, sure. and that's what's going to sell the game going forward. And they can, they're going to need everything they can to sell the game. So this could end up helping them marketing-wise uh, if everything falls into place and they can have a season, you know, you don't have too many hiccups. Uh, you, could, you could really draw in more fans, I think, because there's nothing like a rivalry in any sport, guys. And I, I think they have a great chance to, to really focus in on that and, and really make some money off it. Yeah, and, and I believe one of the models that they were throwing out there when they showed the old Canadian division had the Bruins in there with the Islanders and the Rangers. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, yeah, because they can't play Toronto or the Canadians, right? Which, yeah. you know, I, people are going to say, oh, there goes your rivalry idea, Murph. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, whatever. Then, okay, you rebuild new ones. I mean, I know when my grandfather who got me into the game, you know, he's growing up going to games in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and then started taking me in the 80s. And, you know, back in the day, I mean, the Rangers – and the Bruins are a really, really big rivalry, you know, and I, I, it just sort of lost its luster somehow over the years. It didn't really go the direction of the Red Sox Yankees did, you know, in the late nineties <laughs> and two thousands. But yeah, I mean, you could really build some good geographical ri- rivalries. Like I was saying, there are reignite some, um, I, I, I think the Bruins and the Islanders, I mean, if I'm not mistaken and, uh, you know, here and there, maybe I'll throw a little, little wager on the games here boys and, uh, <laughs> you know i I, it, it, I don't have the research in front of me but i'm willing to bet it's been 60 to 65 percent at least that the games have gone under between the uh the bruins and the islanders uh they just tend to play these really defensive struggles and really yeah. old school you know like i love when they play they, they played a couple matinees back uh, in the last few years and I, those were fun to watch so I, I think there's some opportunity here if they can figure things out. Talking with Jimmy Murphy from BostonHockeyNow.com. Writes the off-the-record column for the Hockey Now network of websites, including NYI Hockey Now. You can read that every Monday night when it comes out, usually around 6 o'clock, I think, when it drops. So always worthwhile checking out. And, Jimmy, just for the record, the last time the Bruins and Islanders played, I'm pretty sure that was not the under. It was like a 6-1, 6-2 game the night. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, it might have been. It was, oh, no. uh, it was the Butch Scoring game, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they were yeah, raising Butch Scoring's was... number to the rafters, and then the Islanders went yeah, out. Yeah, that and, was uh, a bloody one. Yeah, they yeah. dropped a okay. goose egg. 
So that might be the one game where, where it was not. I tell you what, Jimmy, way, if yeah. there's one team that the Islanders don't match up well it's against, the it's the Bruins. And and I remember when the playoffs came around, I was I was just hoping Tampa would take Mark, care of them. Guys, <laughs> again, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but correct me if I'm wrong. Was there not an afternoon game, a Saturday matinee, kind of right before the pandemic hit on the island with the Bruins in a? I think it was island? that. It was that. It was that. Um, I want to say it was the 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 the. the Butch Goring Day game. Okay. Because that, that was like late February yeah. or March 7th yep. or something like that. Yeah, it was February 29th because it was the same day, and I remember it's now okay. very vividly. It was the same day Governor Cuomo was down in, on Long Island to announce the Islanders' full-time return uh, to the right. Nassau Coliseum yes. in the, for the playoffs, which never happened at Nassau Coliseum. But right. speaking of Nassau Coliseum, speaking of the Islanders and Bruins, obviously yeah. one of the big connections that these two teams have is now their former defenseman, uh, Johnny Boychuk, who announced the end of his career earlier this week, uh, and uh, to much uh, you know fanfare and a lot of uh, you know sadness from from fans and, and both organizations. And Jimmy, you know, you were up there, you covered him when he when he was a Boston Bruin. Um, obviously, we, you know, we know what he meant to the Islander fans, but from his time in Boston, what did Johnny Boychuk mean to the Boston Bruins, especially during that Cup run a couple of years ago? Well, boys, before I t- uh, talk about Johnny Boychuk here, I want to tell you that the Bruins and the Islanders have another connection, okay. and that would be me. Uh, oh. I oh, started I my story. journalism career as a uh, post-grad <laughs> intern doing media relations for the New York Islanders. Ah, back okay. in, in, I've told Christian this, he and I, you know, I lived in Long Beach, New York. So nice. if we have time, I'll give you a good hockey story that sure. happened when I was living in Long Beach. Uh, but uh, talking about Johnny Boychuk, look, guys, let me go right to this. And, you know, uh, Joe Haggerty, my colleague, Hags, uh, at Hags with Hags, as everyone knows him out there, you know, he would probably have some better stories and more direct of this. But um, when we were in Prague the year they won the cup, if you recall, they, ma- they made their season, they debuted their season in Prague. They played the, were they there? They, they, they were Phoenix Coyotes then uh, for two games. And that is when Timmy Thomas took over. You know, Tuca mm. came out, started the first game, got lit up, and then Timmy Thomas, I believe, got a shutout or close to it. He was unreal in the set, and then it just went on from there. And so, as we're in Prague, you know, you know, we're doing all different stories with everybody. And Hags decides uh, that him and Johnny Boychuk are going to go, and you can Google this; it's out there somewhere. I think it was <laughs> then called Comcast Sports New England at that time. I think not NBC Boston, and. Anyhow, they decide to go to a horror museum. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, in in Prague. And if I'm not mistaken, and Hags will correct me if I'm I'm wrong, but I believe it was Johnny's idea to do this. Uh, And so that kind of gives you a little little kind of clue into Johnny Boychuk's (laughs) mind and how he works. He is Johnny Boychuk, and I mean this in in the most polite, the most loving, and best way I can, is an odd duck. And, yes. and I love him for that because he is – I love him. He's quirky. He, he's a funny dude. But then you put him on the ice, and he's a, he's a freight train going out of control, and you better get the hell out of the way. And he's just a fierce competitor, and, and he's a great teammate. And I, I – to this day, and I've, I've spoken to many teammates from his – you know, from down to the minor leagues, on the way up, all through where he is now after retiring – I've never had anybody, you know, and I, trust me, guys, I hear players talk crap about each other. And, <laughs> it, you know, I, I've never, ever heard a bad word about Johnny Boychuk 
whether that's at the player level, the coaching level, the management level, the agent level, what have you. He's just a great guy, and he's a fun guy. And, you know, I, I think that Peter Chiarelli knows in his heart what lost his job wasn't the Tyler Sagan trade. It was the Johnny Boytruck trade. Mm. Because that's what tore that dressing room apart. That's what tore that core apart. Wow. And then it disintegrated the next two years. And I, I think, you know, Hags will tell you that. Anyone that's covered the Bruins since, you know, 2008 will say, uh, will we'll tell you that. That that was it. And, and Chiarelli didn't want to do that. And I'll, I will go to my grave saying this right now because I know it to be fact that ownership ordered that trade. Wow. Jimmy, and I, oh. it, it, it's just it shows you how much that guy means to a team that a, a, a potential dynasty. Let's forget. Let's not forget where they were then, guys. Mm. Mm. They were on their way. They were going to win another cup. And even though they lost in 13 and they lost. In, I still think they had it in them. But then he they get rid of Boychuk and that team went down the tubes. Jimmy, I, I, you know, I wrote about it the other day after after Johnny Boychuk announced the end of his career. Um, about what what he meant to the Islanders, and obviously part of that was the perception change. Uh, you know, he obviously yeah. was a great locker room guy, but from from someone who was on the outside looking in, when Johnny Boychuk comes to the New York Islanders, what does someone from Boston or, or around the NHL see the New York Islanders as? Not only you know he comes here, he's successful, but then he resigns for seven years. What did that, if any, change your opinion of the New York Islanders after that moment? Well, I, I, I think, look, I mean, this is a guy that's won a cup, right? And I, I don't care if you're, you know, uh, the last guy on defense or the last guy as a forward, uh, you know, in the fourth line, you still want a Stanley Cup. So it doesn't matter what, you know, stature of player you are. You know how to win. And, and Johnny Boychuk was in a higher stature for sure. But I'm just trying to say, look, anyone that's won a championship is valuable to me. If I'm a GM, I want as many rings as I can possibly get in that dressing room for my younger players coming in there and, and the young stars. I don't, I don't care if you're Connor McDavid. I don't care if you're an Austin Matthews. Nothing wins more than experience and Stanley Cup experience. And, and, and that's what I think the team saw. Like, okay, this guy's coming from a winning environment in Boston. He's had a taste of what it's looking like in New York, and it's looking good to him. And I'm going to get behind that then. I, I trust, and like I said, never heard a bad word about Johnny. So people trust his opinion, and they look at it and say, okay, if Johnny's thinking that, well, then hey, I mean, let's let's look deeper into this, and maybe that's a right fit. Sure. And, and now that Johnny is going to be off the ice, and you, you have an idea of his personality and whatnot, do you see perhaps a, a job within an organization, maybe even the Islander organization? Because I do believe he plans on staying on Long Island at least in the near term, do you think a, a position with a team or with the league is in his future, or maybe he's a guy who steps away from the game entirely? I, I mean, look, guys, I actually, I mean, Hags would probably be better to ask, and I apologize. I know he's been in touch with him a little more than me, but, I mean, just from everything I hear, whether it's, you know, through him or through other people um, that know Johnny, I, I think he wants to maybe take some time right now, because I, I the, the gist I got, guys, and, and you know, this is why I know you guys saw it. And, you know, I, I felt bad that 
that stuff had to come out. There was some people kind of saying there's a conspiracy theory there or whatever about trying to free up money mm. uh, against the cap so they can sign Barzell. And I mean, I get that people would think that. Um, but what I can tell you is that this whole situation in general with everything involved has been tough for him, obviously. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does take a little time. But I also, on the flip side, I won't be shocked at all, and I almost expect that, you know, a guy as classy as Lou Lamorello is going to offer him something. I mean, I, that just has to be done. I, that, that's the way Lou operates. You know, he's one of the classiest to ever work in this game. So I, I think we do see something like that come to fruition. I'm just not sure when. Jimmy Murphy, Boston Hockey Now. You can read his stuff over at bostonhockeynow.com. And, of course, check out his off-the-record column, which comes out every week across the Hockey Now network, including nyihockeynow.com. For all the latest, he's been on top of everything going on with the NHL's attempt to get a 2020-2021 season. Uh, and, obviously, just a great reporter up there in Boston and a, and a great guy. No question about it. And... A lot of stuff to take in as far as the just the league and where it's at, and and it's it's so unfortunate that we're even in a place right now where there's potential for for getting canceled. And I think that would be, I mean, for a lot of obvious reasons, but I think it would just be awful for the NHL if they can't figure this out and get some semblance of a season off the ground. It would be detrimental, and I mean, you, you know, we kind of Jimmy kind of hit on it there when we we're talking about it, but the idea of losing an entire season. The short-sightedness, and I understand. I understand that when your top priority is not, you know, the third thing that you own, you know, you own, a, a, you know, right. hotels, you own uh, hospitality, sure. you, own, you know, you own all these different things, and maybe the hockey team is not necessarily your moneymaker, so it's not the priority. Right. You, you tend to lose some of the, the, the bigger picture there. The NHL loses this season. You know, they're off the radar for an entire year. So, the, you know, people are watching the NBA. They're starting up in December. People are watching the NFL. People go back to watching baseball when it begins in the spring. You lose an entire season. You lose the mindset and the, the, the attention of hockey fans who are going to be thrown, you know, taken aback by the fact that there's no season. So they're going to be pissed about that. You're going to have the casual sports fans or the casual hockey fan who's going to say, all right, there's no hockey on. You know, uh, it just kind of forget about it. And then the casual sports fan, which the NHL is always trying to attract, you know, that goes right out the window. Yeah. And I think that's worse than the 2005 lockout. The NHL came out way better than I think anyone thought when it, when it was the 2013 lockout. Um, yeah. When you only had 48 games, they, they were able to salvage that, and the, mm. the league became better. The league became better after the 05 lockout. Yeah. So there were positives from that, but this is a situation where I don't know what positive you come away from this. This is a time period when, you know, you have billionaires and millionaires fighting over money, and when, and when it comes down to it, the average Joe, the people that are going out to buy hockey tickets and going to support the sport yeah. are the people that are most affected by the current financial and then the current situation with COVID-19. So it's a, it's almost a, a spitting in their face, you know, pardon the, pardon the expression, especially in the current <laughs> climate. But you're essentially right. <laughs> spitting in their face and saying, well, you know, we really don't care about you. We, we need the money. And well, you don't need the money, but right. you want the money. And so right. – it's it's a tough situation for them to be in, and it's a tough situation for Gary Bettman to be in because you know he kind of has to balance the interests of everybody. Yeah, and I you know he's obviously a, a spokesperson for the owners, but he knows. I think he knows he's not a stupid commissioner. Mm. I know everyone hates Gary Bettman thinks he's <laughs> right. an idiot and doesn't right. do anything great. Right, but there's a reason why the NHL has actually grown leaps and bounds since when he started to where yeah, he is and right I now. think he's earned himself a lot of currency with the return to play for this past season. 
Right, but you lose that currency if you don't get a season. <laughs> yeah, it goes away yeah, it goes quickly. right out the window. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, especially in a world where it's not what you did for me before, it's what are you doing for me now. Sure, absolutely. The, the NHL did a great job with the return to play and yeah. getting the postseason off the ground. Yeah. But if you can't put together a follow-up season, and the fact that the owners were this short-sighted, and they thought, all right, well, December we'll just have, we'll be totally back to normal. I, I mean, it's flabbergasting. And listen, I get no one no one understands what was going to happen with this pandemic. We we had sure, heard yeah. rumors, you know, there's going to be a second wave. Yeah, da, da, I mean, da, da, da. yeah, when it started, people thought it was going to be like a month and, and it'd be gone. You know, like we nobody knew. But like once you, you got to right around when the season was going to start, or when the restarted season was going to start, you're talking back in July, yeah. August. You had to imagine things were not getting back to normal. We were still very much in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Even with numbers coming down in New York, but they were spiking in other parts of the country. It was right. hard. So it's hard for the for me to say, sitting here and go, well, you know, I, it's crazy that the owner, you know, I understand the owners didn't see this coming. I, I don't because I think a lot of people at least saw some residual after effect, even if things were getting back to normal at that point. It was still was going to be tough. You, it, there's no, to plead ignorance. Oh, we thought we'd be back to normal. Well, you're an idiot if you thought you were going to be back to normal, to be honest. <laughs> right, right. And and at the end of the day, like Jimmy was saying, it's just it's a shame that the owners are, are trying to kind of pull the rug out from under the players. And, and, and as he also noted, is that if the players do fight back on this and it causes some sort of labor war here and threatens uh, the season starting, it, it will... It will fall on the players. It will publicly. It's going to look like the players are the greedy ones because they're not willing to make another sacrifice for the sake of having a season. See, I I don't know if I agree with that though. Here here's my standpoint. I think, and maybe it's maybe the sports fan for basketball or football is different. Baseball is different. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case. I think nine times out of ten, the 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 fan is going to be on the player side. I don't think the fan looks at the owners and go, well. I totally get why they need, you know, six, 13 to 16 more what percent really, of... What really helps the players' case and make the, makes the owners look worse is because we everybody in the public does know they did recently right. have an agreement. Like and the so play, now they're trying the, to go back the, on it. The players don't look bad. The players, I think, in, in my opinion, I think they're probably in their best spot to negotiate than anyone. The owners, basically, right. they came up with this deal. Everyone was happy. We're singing Kumbaya. It looked great for everybody. Yeah. You know, we have labor peace for, you know, till I forget when, you know, for and six, seven years. And then the owners are now the ones going back. Well, we kind of messed up, so you got to give us some money back. <laughs> like, right. Take, take it and back. And they, you know, they're probably not stupid either, and they probably know this. And that's probably why they, they started with maybe a more outrageous ask than they're expecting to get. And maybe right. they're just hoping that the players even come halfway and that's a win for them. And I think even even worse for the owners is that if you really want to get cynical, right, you could go, well, the owners saw this coming. Then, you know, the owners are going to try and plead ignorance. But maybe they saw this coming. They said, yeah. well, let's just get this off the ground now and then we'll screw them over later because <laughs> we know we can. And, and, and that's the cir- circumstance. So if you really want to get cynical at the be- at the worst case scenario and the best case scenario, this, the owners don't look good in any stretch uh, for anybody, I don't think. Yeah, and I guess you can't rule that out. I, I look, just I'm from... not saying they are, but I'm, right. I'm saying if you wanted yeah, to get hey, really look, cynical, you could. We don't know what goes on in those meetings and right. those conversations conference calls yeah you know we don't know this this is part of the reason why we do this show we speculate and we just talk about what the possibilities might be at the end of the day you know as as observers of the game as fans of the game we just hope it gets worked out and it comes back and 
the fact that there could be such a short timetable on this, as Jimmy referenced, that maybe they need some kind of clarity or some kind of answer. Is everything okay with your microphone there, buddy? No, I was trying to move <laughs> it up, and it keeps falling. You're having some trouble. Yeah, you got you to use the knobs, buddy. You got to twist oh, the knob. There's a knob over here. Yeah, okay. there you go. There you We've go. updated some of our equipment, and so <laughs> I'm trying Chris to get it a little more time. comfortable. Nope, it's that's, it's, it's very entertaining things. for me. It's a shame that you can't see it. Things. There we go. All right, but, there we go. There that's you go, pal. I believed in you. I knew you could do it. So... It's back to my point <laughs> is if this is like a, if Tuesday is really like sort of a, I don't know if it's a hard drop dead date or anything like that, but, but Jimmy did reference it. I mean, maybe we'd get some clarity in the next couple of days and, and it, and, it would be nice. I think not only for the fans, but, but I'm sure the people trying to put this all together. And then again, you look at some of the more, the, the, the situation with some of the teams and their and their um, salary cap situation, the Islanders come to mind right off the bat. But yeah. you have to imagine those general managers aren't making even now, even now with with the Islanders freeing up space, presumably with Johnny Boychuk going on LTIR, mm-hmm. um, which frees up that that cap hit of six million dollars that he would have had this year, or they're allowed to go above six million six million dollars above the cap, or how, how, you know, however that works technically. There's a you know, it's, it's, well, we don't even seem to know whether it, it's definitely going to be a retirement or an LTIR. It, it seems like there's right. been some... The assumption, I think, from the way it was phrased, because Arthur Staple, when we were on the conference call with Johnny Boychuk the other day on, on Wednesday, asked Johnny, just for clarification, is this a retirement? Are you retiring? Or are you, you know, are you being put on LTIR? And he didn't really even have an answer, to, <laughs> which to is be perfectly honest. Strange, which honestly. is interesting. Um, so I, I think the presumption is it's it's LTIR, mm-hmm. but there's not a hundred percent clarity to the situation. And there. they and if that's the case, they can't get the max benefit from Johnny Boychuk's salary coming off the cap until they actually hit the cap ceiling, because basically once I believe the way it goes is once you kind of establish a player officially on LTIR, you get. Like if let's just say for the sake of argument, the Islanders are three million under the cap, right? But while, mm-hmm. when they're done, so to speak, right, with right. whatever their contract signings and all that, right? And then they say, okay, we're putting Johnny Boychuk on LTIR. You're only going to get whatever is beyond that three million they are under the cap. So if his contract is five and a half million, they're only going to really get two and a half million, right? Of um of cap relief if I'm if I'm doing the math correctly, <laughs> which I'll, I think I I'll have. trust you. But I think you understand not what my I'm strong point. Say. So yeah, I, but I understand what you're what you're going to say. But so we, we there's a whole lot of and it, I think if he retires, it's just he comes off the books and that's it. So like it's 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 very unclear what the circumstance is at the moment. It's not clear right. if it's LTIR but, if it's retirement. And I think that's kind of I, I, again I think the presumption is at least by a lot of us in the media is that mm-hmm. it's going to be LTIR mm-hmm. and then. You know, you go from there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But for the time being, you know, the back get getting back to what what I was saying is, yeah. you're having these these own these GMs too who are trying to figure out what they're doing, and now they're kind of held up by all right, is it, when's the season going to start? Is there a season that's going to start to begin with? So it's certainly a circumstance that's uh, not great, and I think for everybody involved. So if, if there's some news that's coming out on Tuesday, that'd be great, at least for some clarity. We, we get some more clarity on one. Even Matt Barzell is going to have a new contract at that point, too. Mm-hmm. You could right. start to to guesstimate, oh, well, is, is it coming soon? I, you know, I know there was a tweet kind of floating around Isles Twitter about a potential um, contract that's that's potentially in the works. And, uh, you know, I did not see this. It's, Explain. 
not it's the, I don't want to <laughs> seem put, hesitant to even mention it. I don't want to put the writer down because you know I think he does a, as a good job for the the outlet that he works for. But you know I don't necessarily know if it's it's more on the I, I guess the up and up or or however you want to okay. put it. But it's I know okay. it's out there and, and I think it'd be a, we'd be doing a disservice to to at least not acknowledge it because I've seen it a couple places mm-hmm. um, on, on the on the social media sphere I should say. But okay, um, even even if that's the case, my point being. You know, all these little details are being held up because we don't know when the season's going to start. Right. So you don't know what point the Islanders and Matt Barzell are negotiating from. We don't know, you know, how that impacts re-signing Andy Green, how that re- impacts potentially re-signing Matt, Matt Martin, Martin, bringing Corey, Corey Schneider, Schneider, who is essentially going to be a New York Islander or in the Islanders organization. So it all kind of adds up. And so the be- the quicker we can get some clarification, the quicker that we can get at least the ball moving on some of these these certain items that the Islanders, uh, for the Islanders specifically, that are being held up by this, uh, including obviously the Matt Barzal contract. Yeah, it's just wild that we're even here that we thought that pretty much a ne- the new season was going to be a shoo-in. You know, we were all expecting it, and now it seems like it's hanging somewhat in the balance because of this labor situation, but I have a feeling because of what we discussed before, because it's so important for them to have a season, mm-hmm. they're going to figure this out. Whether You whether, would hope so, but you thought that in 2005, so who the heck knows? I don't even remember if I thought that positively back in 2005. It's um, so long ago. And then but, 2013 was such a roller coaster ride between, yeah. you know, it seemed things were going great, then things weren't, and it, it was just, yeah. it was chaos. So, I, I mean, this is, this is a much different circumstance, obviously, considering the situation that's going on in the world, but... Yeah. But uh, again, you can draw some parallels just because you know you find yourself in the in the NHL finds the, themselves in this situation a lot. It seems like it's never, um, it's never good. It's no. never good for the league. Well, either way, to your point, hopefully we do get some clarity one way or another, and we can start looking at how it trickles down. The dominoes start to fall with everything else, right? And I guess now we can more formally segue into the Johnny Boychuk retirement that we discussed with Jimmy. And, you know, obviously there's the, the human element, the player element of it. And by all accounts, you know, from teammates on down to fans, it seems like Johnny Boychuk was a very valued member of the New York Islanders franchise, you know, not just for what he did on the ice, but also as a human being, as he, you know, I mean, look, you hear what Jimmy said about, you know, the trade from him coming to the right. Islanders from Boston and how that essentially dismantled the locker room in, in a way. And, you know, it's not the first time you hear something like that where he's a real locker room guy and he's he's the type of guy you like having in there. I know a lot of Islander fans hate to hear this, but that's another reason why a guy like Leo Komarov is still, you know, within the franchise because there is some value to that. And, and while my level of hockey is nowhere near where these guys are playing, it I, I can tell you, even just from playing club hockey in college, you have guys who, you know, whether they, whether they perform well or not on the ice – it, it it goes a long way to have you know the right mentality in the locker room. You want guys to be upbeat. You got you want guys to be you know feeling the right way. And 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 even even if again even if there's certain guys that aren't scoring goals all the time, you want to have that positive element in the locker room. And it seems like Johnny Boychuk was one of those guys. A hundred percent. And I think that was really evident by the tweets that you saw. You know, Devontae's with the with the you know the tweet about um, what Johnny did for was it his first NHL goal? I think it was. You know. Um, and you know, the, the reaction from around the league, from, from other organizations. So, you know, Johnny Boychuk, you know, is a, is a universally respected player. 
And you, you sense that, and you can see that. And obviously, he's a, he's a goofball, as Jimmy referenced <laughs> right. with this story about right. taking hags to a horror museum in, in Prague, which I think is hilarious. But it's very... Didn't um, see that one coming. Actually, you know, it made a lot of sense. <laughs> you, you think of Johnny Boychuk's personality and you yeah. know, having been in the locker room with a bit and you know seeing how he interacts with people and the humor that he has. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Fair enough. Um, and obviously, you know, he's a goofball during interviews, which which is always kind of fun to see. And yeah. um, and such a, a you know a, a gritty, grinded out kind of player on the ice. It's why Islander fans and and you know you look at Boston Bruins fans and you know where where he played six years as well. You know why they loved him so much. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing. He was a guy that went out and when he was on the ice, he gave it a hundred percent. And you saw that time in and time out with the New York Islanders. You know, obviously the clip that everyone played uh, after he retired was the. Game three uh, at the end of the second period, the diving play to clear the puck at the end of the second period. Right. It was all over right. social media. Yeah. And so those were the the plays that sort of defined him and defined his career and defined who he was as part of the New York Islanders. And then, of course, obviously his impact on the organization. Uh, you know, I wrote about it on NYIHockeyNow.com, the fact that he went, he took an organization, him and Nick Letty, in fairness, yeah, you know, they came for here sure. and they changed the, the culture and they changed the perception. Absolutely. And it was such a huge thing, too, when he signed because that was at a point in time when players were coming. They are they staying here, you know, months or maybe a year or two, and then they were out. They didn't want to resign here. In its own way, it was a little reminiscent of, of when, you know, Yashin and Pekka were brought over. Right, yeah. You know, it kind of brought that respectability right. and, it, and it really just – you know, brought whatever, whether you want to refer to it as a rebuild back then or whatever it was, when, you know, you had a young team back then, they were mm-hmm. trying to find their way, they had the playoff appearance against the Penguins with right. Nabokov and that and whatnot, but this really helped bring that forward and, and really, you know, solidified that defense, and, and again, like you said, brought brought some real respectability to this team, and, you know, that's going to be missed going forward, you know, he, that presence, you know, on and off the ice, it's going to be tough to replace Johnny Boychuk, I mean, everybody... Is already talking about Noah Dobson coming in to potentially replace Devon Taves and losing him. You're losing two big parts of the defense now. And, you know, Andy Green is going to do his best, I'm sure, to, to fill those shoes now. Right. And, and he's, he's played well paired up with Noah Dobson. We've seen that over the past year. So, I mean, there's definitely some positives to take out of that. But it is a huge hit. And, you know, for what, the six years, I believe, or give or take the however many years he's with the with the Islanders six now. Six years. It was six, right? Six years. I mean, a great six years he gave the Islanders. Unfortunately, he wasn't as healthy as maybe he wanted it to be. But he literally brought new meaning to the to the phrase "sacrificing the body." Yeah. I mean, he was he got in front of every puck. He was the definition of it. He really was. He really was. He had no qualms about getting in front of bombs from no. the point. And you know, he has the bruises and the scars to to show for it without question. It's just so unfortunate. That it comes to a close this way, it's not on his own terms, and just a freak accident in front of the net. You see a skate just come up so high on that play, and it just—it was awful. I mean, it was—it was frightening to see yeah. when, he, when it caught him in the face, and, and obviously the first thing you think about it is, is his eye and his mm-hmm. vision. And when it seemed as if everything was going to be all right, when he came back, I guess you know he discussed in, in the conference call, right, how his peripheral vision was off, and yeah, what was the Matheson hit that really kind of, no pun intended here, but kind of opened his eyes a little bit. Yeah, and you know, he, yeah, I, I wasn't, I really wasn't <laughs> no, trying. To, I know, but there, there's no real <laughs> other way to to kind of phrase that. Sure, but when when he was talking about it, he said, you know, that he he, he was a little questionable about the legality of the hit but but he said you know i should have been able to at least see some of him coming and he just didn't and that was kind of the first indication that maybe something wasn't right and then when he started training again 
things started to flare up a bit more, and and that's really when the, when the warning signs started to, to kind of come to him. So it, it it's a terrible way for a career to end. You could tell by the emotions on yeah on his uh, throughout the call. It, you know, it, it was a tough time. It was a tough decision for him to make. But as he said, it was it wasn't really a decision. It was a lifestyle choice. Right. And and just back to the practical side of this. Now we we touched on it a little bit before when we were wrapping up the talk of of the league coming back. Is you got six million dollars now in one way, shape, or form coming off of the island, the salary cap situation, whether it is by way of retirement or, or by way of LTIR, we'll find out soon enough. Mm-hmm. But now, obviously, all eyes are on Matt Barzell. Yep. And when that contract is going to be signed, because I don't think we're going to see any official announcement on Martin or on Green or on Schneider yet until this Barzell situation is officially yeah. taken I, care I mean, of. I mean, that's going to be the top, priori- uh, top priority. Although those are easy contracts that, I, you know, I think we've talked about it before. Yeah. I'm pretty sure those are They're deals that are basically just, sitting in lose draw. And yes. like, all right, now you can sign them. Right, exactly. They're already agreed upon. They're it's like that be... Christmas gift that, you know, your parents buy you months in advance. And they're like, oh, I got your Christmas gift already. And it's there. <laughs> it's just sitting under and the it's tree. Just sitting, it, no, it's sitting in the closet. You open the, the closet. closet. like, what sure. is this, Ma? And it's like, oh, it's a Christmas gift. You can't sure. open it, though. And sure. that's essentially the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that's that's true. I'm yeah. trying to, you know, holiday Oh, great season. job. Okay. Right. <laughs> great job, Christian. Well, you really nailed it. So, <laughs> but anyway, it, it's it's all eyes are on Matt Barzell right now. Yeah. And you have what is it nine? What is it nine point nine million or eight point nine million? I think they have now on the cap. I wish I had this in front. I think it'd be like nine point nine. They have a yeah, so right around nine ten million dollars. We'll say, <laughs> we'll just average it out, okay? And most of that's going to go to Matt Barzell. And I think what you were doing there is rounding up, not averaging out. Okay, we'll round up to ten, but it might be nine. Because yeah, we don't have you, it in front of us. You, you said, oh, my Got it. Right look, look, you, you, you bought the Christmas thing, and no, now I you're trying to get me. <laughs> I'm coming at you because you're being a jerk. Okay, fair enough. I didn't so, botch the Christmas thing. You, <laughs> you did. So, <laughs> anyway, he's going to eat up most, if not all, of that, con- of that space. Yeah, pretty much. And pretty it's going to depend on what the length is. I don't know if that changes at all. I'm still of the, of the belief that he's going to do something short-term, similar to Ryan Pollock, yeah. maybe in the two- to three-year. To me, I feel like three years might be the sweet spot, but I don't. I have no idea. Well, considering where things are now, I think three years makes a lot more sense, considering you're three years out, hopefully, of, of where the financial circumstances are now, right. and hopefully things are a lot more solid by mm. that three-year, when that three-year date comes to pass. Yeah, and one question has kind of arisen from this Johnny Boychuk circumstance, and that is... If the Islanders knew that Johnny Boychuk was going to be heading down this path, and I can't imagine there's any situation where they wouldn't have, mm-hmm. would they still have traded Devon Taves if they knew Johnny Boychuk's money was coming off the books? And I can't imagine that this came out as some kind of surprise. Yeah. yeah. So to anybody out there who's wondering whether that's the case or not, I just cannot see Lou not already having a good idea of where the situation was going. And I don't think he would have gotten way too ahead of himself and traded Devontae's and then this happening and be like, man, <laughs> really wish I didn't make that move. Hey, you got to figure it was all part of a, you know, a, a larger thing here. I, I, would ag- I would agree too. And I would use the point of reference to the fact that, you know, Andy Green became a bit of a priority somewhat quickly, I guess, once the offseason kind of yeah, started to roll. That's a good point. And he started to hear more and more rumblings that, oh, Andy Green's going to be back, Andy Green's going to be back. And basically, 
you know, that, you know, in, in Lou's own way during those conference calls after the season end, it was kind of mm-hmm. hinted at and hinted at and hinted at. So I think that was really the sign, or at least in my mind, when, it, when I look at it, look back at it now, hindsight being 2020, right? Things wouldn't have gone the way they do if they didn't know Johnny Boychuk was, was in, in a situation where things weren't, weren't great. If they, you know, I think they realized, some I don't want to say early on, but even if you look at the time frame when Johnny Boychuk said he was starting to go into doctors, you know, he's talking about two months or so of, of mm-hmm. doctor visits. So, right. you know, that's November, October, you know, late September, early October. You yeah. know, if I, my memory isn't wrong here, Devontae's was traded in October. I believe you're correct. Yeah. So at that point, Boychuk was either starting to go to doctors or mm-hmm. was already in the midst of going to to doctors' appointments, and this was getting a bit more serious and getting a bit more serious. So it w- it wasn't as though they were blindsided by this, and I and I agree with you, and and I think part of that is where you start to see the rumblings of Andy Green coming back because he was such a big part of the playoff run. He was a big part of being that veteran presence when they didn't have Johnny Boychuk. It became oh, is this the game that Johnny Boychuk gets back in? Well, it's tough to do that because Andy Green's playing so well. So I think that's really where, um, you know, when you look back on the situation, Andy Green was the first, or could, you could say you could point to Andy Green. Now that's the first indication that there, there, something was up. They knew something was going on because then the talk started to get a little bit louder that Andy Green was going to be back here. Yeah. And then obviously the Devontae's <clears throat> trade happens, and you know Lou goes on the record and says, "I don't make that trade unless I don't. F- I feel like we have a, a, a you know a, a comparable replacement, and that and no adoption. So you, you know I, I, all those those kind of indicators line up and say, "Well, they must have known something. They don't. They, they don't make all these different moves and hint at all these different moves if if they don't have an inkling of what's going on with Johnny Boychuk. Right. And and the, the Taves trade in itself just had to be a super calculated decision because right. it's one that Lou didn't even want to make. Yes. So there's no way he would have done that without any sort of prior knowledge of, of what may or may not be going on with Johnny Boychuk. So Devon Taves still just ends up becoming a casualty of this flat cap and this pandemic situation, and it stinks. And uh, Just call- like you. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I bathed today, <laughs> so I'm smelling fine, but thank you. But I think, Christian, that's that's all she wrote, right? I think we're good. Yeah. I think we can wrap things up. So, with that being said, folks, we want to send a huge thanks to Jimmy Murphy of Boston Hockey Now for hanging out with us, giving us all that time. And we want to thank you, the listeners, for hanging out with us. As always, remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We want to thank our sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great service, and great Islander fans. Remember, you can check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com. And we want to send a huge thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TaiTechnology.com or give them a call at 516-856-7800 for all of your telecom needs. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. If you enjoy the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends, spread the word. Follow Christian on Twitter at underscore C, no, at C underscore Arnold <laughs> zero one. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey and follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We will, we're going to figure out when we're coming back. It's going to be touch and go because of the situation right now. But thank you. Have yourselves a great rest of your night.